Good morning. Good morning. Before I start, before I pray, um, I always like to say this when I'm the guest preacher somewhere. If you really like what you hear this morning, the regular preacher is so much better. If you hate what you hear this morning, the regular preacher is so much better. So be sure and come back either way. Uh, but I am blessed to be here. We love Journey Church. Uh, whenever I give tours of our building over on Highway 81, people always look at our chapel area where you guys launched from, and they say, man, you could have a church in here. And I say, yes, you sure could. So we are, as Ken said, we, we share that same feeling and heart for Journey. We just love you guys. And I love to get to be here and love all the families that have stepped into that gap to foster and adopt and care for children. So let's Go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll get started this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the chance to open your word, for the chance to see what it means to be no ordinary family. Lord, none of us probably are really that ordinary, but I thank you for the chance to see how you, God, call us to be extraordinary, to be different than ordinary, to care for those children in need, Lord, those children in foster care, those children in need of adoption, there's children who have suffered from the brokenness and the sin that's present in our world. So, Lord, bless this time. Guide my words that we would see how you're speaking to each of us individually and as a faith family and as families to step into that gap and to be no ordinary family. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So a couple of months ago, Pastor Ken and I got together and we talked about this Sunday morning and talking about the topic of no ordinary family or extraordinary family, families that are different than ordinary. And I, I immediately, I don't know why my mind immediately went to television, but it did. See, I grew up in the 80s. Any other 80s kids here? So in the 80s, you had TV shows where every family was ordinary, right? You had a mom and dad, and everything was, was happy, and everybody got along, which instantly tells you it's fake, because in family, people don't always get along, right? So you had like... Um, Growing pains? Anybody growing pains? You remember? All right, yeah, everybody. We're Christians. You got to remember Kirk Cameron now, everybody. Uh, family ties. You remember family ties? Alex P. Keaton. Uh, some, but you know, I started thinking through these shows, and I thought I grew up in that era where everybody was normal and ordinary. But there were a couple of different ones. There were a few different families on TV. Who remembers Different Strokes? Different Strokes, right? You remember Mr. Drummond, a rich white guy, adopts a couple of African American children. Uh, you remember Silver Spoons, Silver Spoons fans, rich dad, right, rich single dad, finds his long lost son. I don't always know why it was rich people that did the adopting and fostering on television. You do not have to be rich to foster or adopt. Um, it might help, might be nice, might help everything in life. But I started thinking about how in TV we do see families that are extraordinary, they're different. I tell you what I think the weirdest families on TV were, though, were those families where everything got fixed in 30 minutes, right? So, like, they start out, and one of the teenagers goes and gets drunk or something, and then, like, 25 minutes later, everybody's hugging and happy and everything's worked out. Because that's not life. But God does call us to be, as you saw in the intro there, an extraordinary family. Now, sometimes we hear the word extraordinary, and we think great or perfect. We think, well, I'm not that, and none of us are. But extraordinary means different than ordinary. God calls all of us, both in our, our family families, the people that we live with, that we share life together with, and in our families of faith, our church communities, he calls us all to be no ordinary family. So I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about what it means to be no ordinary family in light of the brokenness of the world, in light of the foster and adoptive care 
crisis that we're facing as a community. Now, I, I grew up Baptist. I am still a Baptist, so my sermon has three points. Some of you that grew up Baptist, that will feel very comforting to you. I do not have a poem at the end. Sometimes, if you grew up really Baptist, you know you get three points in a poem. So I'm sorry there's no poem this morning, but I do have three points. We're going to start this morning with the need for brokenness. You'll see that up on the screen, the need for brokenness. So uh, it's been about a year since I've had the opportunity to preach anywhere. And this week I was talking to my sweet wife, Holly, and she said, she said, what, what passage are you starting with? What's your, what's your lead in to your sermon? And I said, well, I'm going to talk about the part in the Christmas story where Herod kills all the babies. And she said, you sure about that? Is, is that how you want to launch a family sermon? I said, trust me, I'm, I've got somewhere to go from there. But I want to take you in the book of Matthew, and we've just come off Christmas. But you remember there's that terrible moment in the Christmas story where uh, King Herod has heard from the wise men that a new a baby has been born who will be king of the Jews, and Herod is paranoid and he's crazy. And so he sends out uh, soldiers to make sure that baby doesn't make it to be king. And it's a horrible moment in Jewish history. And in Matthew 2, chapter 2, verses 16 through 18, it says this. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all the region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. So back in the book of Jeremiah, we have Matthew points us back to the Old Testament where Jeremiah said, A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel who is representative of the Jewish mothers, Rachel, weeping for her children, she refused to be comforted because they are no more. It's a horrible moment in Jewish history. It's a horrible moment that's recorded right at the tail end of the Christmas story, which is this wonderful story. We have this moment, and, and when it says Rachel weeping, that is a symbol that all of the Jewish people of that area are mourning. They're broken over the death of these babies, this horrible, horrible moment in history when this deranged king, determined to stay on his throne, sends out soldiers to kill babies. Now, we don't have really accurate records of that time, but the best estimates historians and theologians put together is that what Herod did, he had somewhere between 100 and 1,000 children murdered. That's a big number. Somewhere between 100 and 1,000 children are murdered and and I promise the sermon moves up from here, okay? So just hang with me on this front end. But this is a horrible moment, and, and the Jewish people mourn, and they're broken over this. They're so broken that it's recorded in Scripture that thousands of years later, you and I can go in our Bibles and see this moment in history when this brokenness occurred. And this morning, before we can talk about the actions we need to take to be no ordinary family, we need to start from a place of brokenness. We need to start from a place of brokenness for our community and the children in need. This morning in Georgia, Georgia, uh, the Department of Family and Children's Services just released its latest statistics last week. This morning, as we woke up in Georgia, 14,000 children are in foster care. 14,000 children have gone through a, a situation, a process in which someone from defects came into their home and said, you're not safe here. And you're so not safe that the defects person had to go to a judge, a juvenile court judge. They had to get a court paper that said that child had to be put into foster care. That's a big deal. 
that 14,000 children in Georgia have gone through that process and are in need, in need of a foster home. And beyond that, in the, in the nation that we live in, in the United States of America, that number, it's at least that number in almost every state. There are thousands of children in need of foster homes. There are thousands of children in foster care. Expand that out to the world. Millions of children around the world are in orphanages. They're in need of adoptive homes. There are so many orphan children in Africa because of the AIDS epidemic there that has claimed their lives of their parents. We live in a world that is broken, and we live in a world in which children are in need. In Georgia right now, there are about 250 children are what's called legally free for adoption. That means court is done. The, a, a court has said, your parents are no longer your parents. The state needs to find you an adoptive home. 250 children, and many of those children have been in foster care for years, five, six, seven, eight years, even more. Many of those children will leave foster care having never had a forever family, having never had that connection to exist for their lives into adulthood. We need to start at that place. And I'm going to talk to you this morning about how we can be no ordinary family and the actions we can take. But it needs to come from a place of brokenness where every one of us, as a Jesus follower, can ask the question, what can I do? What do I do to step into that need? That we don't just hear a Sunday morning like this and see an incredible family like the Weavers and the other foster and adoptive families here at Journey and say, man, those are the super Christians. Those are the, the upper class of Christians, and we can't do that. God may not be calling you to open your home to a foster child, but there is something every one of us can do to step into this brokenness. So that's point one this morning is the need for brokenness. Point two, I told you I've got three. The point two is the need for action. We need to step in to that brokenness and take action. I'm going to share with you this morning, I think there are three ways that we can live out examples from Scripture that we can take action to step in to that brokenness. Now, if you go to your Bible and you go to the back to the index, the concordance, or you Google it, you're not going to find in Scripture anywhere a foster family, right? There's not foster care per se like we think of it in our world in Scripture. But there's a relationship I think of in the Bible that is really symbolic to me of foster care, and it's the relationship between Abraham and Lot. And if you remember back in the book of Genesis and we're going to go there here in just a minute. Abraham is, is that beginning part of the Jewish people. Abraham is that man that God calls out to go out from his city that he was living in, to go into a place that God's going to show him and follow God and becomes the father of God's chosen people and the father of the nation of Israel. But when Abraham does that, he takes somebody with him. So the first thing that I want to tell you, I'm going to take you to Genesis chapter 12, the first action that Abraham takes is he expands his circle. Abraham becomes the foster father of a man by the name of Lot. So if you're following along in, on your phone or in your Bible, in Genesis chapter 12, verses 4 through 6, I want to read that to you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, and Abram took Sarai, his wife. Now, eventually, they'll be called Abraham and Sarah, but at this time, they're Abram and Sarai. Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, all their possessions, the people they had acquired. They set out to go to the land of Canaan. And don't miss one little phrase in there that's really important. And took Lot, his brother's son. 
Now, Abram, Abram didn't just go next door to his brother's house and like grab Lot, strap him on a camel, and take him with him. There's more to that story, okay? What Abram does here is he expands his circle. And I'm going to say that a couple times. He expands his circle, the circle of his family. Lot is Abram's nephew. And Lot's father has died leaving Lot an, an orphan in need, of, in need of care, in need of a home. So Abram goes and he takes Lot into his family. He really becomes a foster parent for Lot. He, becomes, he begins to foster Lot because Lot's in need. But look at when Abram does this. When does he expand his circle? Right at the point that God has called him to this really crazy sounding thing of just stepping out into the unknown. See, Abram, Abram was doing good. Life was just trucking along for Abram. He had possessions, he had cattle, he had servants, he had all this stuff. He was living in a big city. Everything was really good and really working in his life. And Abram was experiencing that. And then God just calls and says, go. God says, go. He tells Abram to go. And, and if I were Abram, I would have been like, that sounds great, God. Could you let me know where? Because God doesn't tell Abram where. He says, I'll tell you where to go. See, I would have blamed it on my phone. I would have been like, God, I got ways pulled up. And like, I, I just got to put a destination in. I'm like, I'm not arguing with you, Lord. I just, I need an address to put in of where we're headed. But Abram doesn't do that. But in this moment, he sees this young man in need. He sees Lot in need, and he brings him into his circle. See, most of us, we like our, our circles. We like our little comfortable circle, right? We like that small group of friends that we get along with. We like our little group we sit with at church or at school. We like that, that little part of our family that we always can get along with. We like our hobbies. We like the stuff in life that's easy and that's comfortable. That's how we are. That's not a bad thing, but it's just kind of the way we're wired. Do you remember in Finding Nemo? Everybody's seen Nemo, guys. You can admit it. You remember the little seagulls that just go mine, 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 mine? That's kind of how we're all naturally wired, right? We're kind of naturally wired to mine, 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 mine. When I get home at the end of the day, I want to sit on my couch for 10 minutes with like a Coke and some chips and the remote. That's really fun. I know, amen, guys. You, you feel me on that, right? And the wives are like, the gutters are falling off. You're going to need to get out there and fix it. But I like what makes me comfortable. I like my little circle, the mind, 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 mind circle. But God's calling us as his people to expand our circles. Whether it's through taking a foster child in. Whether it's through adopting a child. Whether it's through serving no longer children, but people who've aged out of foster care and they've entered adulthood with no connections and nowhere to go and nothing to do. Or, or caring maybe for a neighbor child. For somebody in your family that's... Uh, just there all the time. Look, two of my children are teenagers. My circle got expanded without any asking of me, okay? At my house all the time now, there's just these children that I didn't birth. I, well, I didn't birth any of them, but I, my <laughs> wife didn't birth that I don't know. And the thing about teenagers, and I love you, I love that your students are up on the front. Teenagers, you're like wolves, right? Listen, you travel in packs and consume any food they find, right? It's, it's, it's who they are. Listen, when I started to have teenagers, I called my mom and apologized. I was like, I don't even know what for, but like, this is hard. But your circle's expanded. And, and listen, for some of us as parents, we, we intersect with those people in our lives, and it might be easy to just complain about that. But listen, expand your circle. When those kids are in your home, love on them. Care for them. Expand your circle like Abram did by taking Lot along with him. God calls us to have a big circle family. And that means we bring people in. This, 
I kind of get a pass on this. This is a little easy for me because I came along into a family. My younger brother and I are the two youngest children. The oldest children in my, in my birth family were adopted. So I grew up in a family where half the kids were adopted, half of us were biological. That's just what we knew. We just had a big family. We had, our circle had been expanded. When people asked me who my older brother and older sister's mom was, I just said, Mom, that's who it was. That was the family. That was the circle we had expanded in. So God calls us to have a big circle that we expand. The second thing that God calls us to do, and we see in the life and the relationship of Abram and Lot, God calls us to elevate the needs of others. He calls us to expand our circle, but he calls us to elevate the needs of others. And again, we can look to the relationship of Abraham and Lot. So Abraham and Lot, they, they've left and they, they're following God. They're headed toward the land of Canaan. And God's blessed them for their obedience. In fact, God's blessed them so much that they're actually starting to have conflict. Abram had all this cattle and servants and things. And so he trained Lot to have that same sort of business and, and raise cattle and be a herdsman so lot's doing that and he's got his stuff going and abram's doing that and he's got his stuff going and they just start butting heads there's just there's not enough land and things are and it's causing family conflict so abram does something really interesting he takes lot up on this high point to look out over all the land that's available to them for their animals and this is what happens this is in genesis 13 verse 8 then abram said to lot let there be no strife between you and me between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen, we're family. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. If you take the right hand, I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, to like the land of Egypt. So Lot chose for himself the Jordan Valley. Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. So what it means there is they separated in that they moved their, their businesses, their herds apart to make room for everybody. Now this is an amazing moment because in the culture of the Bible, in the culture of the Old Testament, Abram as the elder, Abram as the head of the family, he had first dibs. He got to have whatever he wanted. He wanted the best land. He got it. He didn't have to let Lot choose. But Abram, the, the foster dad in the picture, he takes Lot and he puts Lot's needs above his own. He elevates the needs of someone else. And the interesting thing and the important thing to me here about the idea of elevating the needs of somebody else, this is when we really live out the gospel in somebody else's lives. Because the heart of the gospel, the heart of the good news of Jesus Christ is that Jesus elevated our need for salvation, our need for rescue above his needs. He put us first. He came to earth as a baby. He lived a sinless life. He died a brutal death on the cross, and he rose again so that we could be saved. So it's a big deal to elevate the needs of somebody else because when we're doing that, we're living like Christ. We're putting the needs of someone else above our own. But here's the thing. When you elevate somebody else's needs, you have to sacrifice your own. And that's hard for us, right, because we're mine, mine, mine. We like that. But it's hard for us to sacrifice our needs. God calls us to not only expand our circle, but to elevate the needs of others above our own needs. Listen, talk to any of the families here at Journey that are foster or adoptive or are serving in any capacity that on your care teams, those things, 
You're having to sacrifice something to elevate the needs of others. You heard Barry and Wendy talk about their journey this morning and, and the things and the sacrifices they've made. And there's so many more that they could tell you that they, they had to make to care for children in need, to elevate the needs of others. And we're called to do that. But we've got to sacrifice our own needs and our own desires. Foster families and adoptive families, y'all, they sacrifice their time. They sacrifice their money. They sacrifice a lot of things. And you know the big thing, and I was talking with one of our foster families just between services, they sacrifice certainty. Because listen, there's, there's nothing certain about being a foster or adoptive parent. There's no guarantee. When, when one of our case managers brings a child to a foster home to place them, we don't know if that child will be there for a week or for a year or for two years, maybe four years. We don't know. And folks, when you're stepping in to elevate the needs of others, there's no promise of what will happen. It's a scary moment. I, I know that. It's scary to step into a situation where we elevate the needs of others because we're sacrificing our own. A lot of times when we're recruiting foster parents and we're meeting with people who want to foster, they'll ask me, they'll say, how long, what's, what's the average time a child's in our home? Or how long is a child going to be in our home? And I always tell them, and, and I, this is not a flippant answer, long enough to break your heart. Because if they're there for a week, if they're there for a day, if they're there for a year, you're going to come to love them. You're going to grow attached to them. And then if that child has to leave, it's going to break your heart. But God calls us to not only expand our circle, but to elevate the needs of others. And when we elevate the needs of somebody else, we've got to sacrifice our own needs. Even if it's that need for comfort, we sacrifice our needs to elevate the needs of another because we're living out the gospel. Whether it's on a care team or an adoptive family or a foster family or serving or giving or serving here at church. Listen, don't hear me just keep saying foster and think, well, I'm not fostering, so I can just check out the rest of the service. God's calling you to be involved in the lives of children. God's calling you to serve and love. Listen, you may, God may be calling you to serve in the nursery. Amen is that a sacrifice, okay? I used to be a children's pastor. That's one of the scariest places in church to work. I'm sorry if the children's director just heard me say that. I'm not trying to turn you away from that. It's scary, right? It's scary. Listen, it's scary to do anything for the Lord. But that's how we live out Christ, the Christ life. And as Ken said, we, with, with Barry and Wendy, we pray and God strengthens us. And we take those steps of obedience one after another. So God calls us to expand our circle. He calls us to elevate the needs of another. And the third thing he calls us to do, he calls us to fight for the future of, of children. He calls us to fight for the future of others. There's one more moment in the life and in the relationship between Abram and Lot. And you might remember this story from the Old Testament. So there's this moment where Abram and Lot, they've separated their herds and, and Lot's gotten further and further away. And Lot's actually gone to live in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he's gone into these wicked, evil places and he's living there and he's, he's kind of not really in connection with Abram. And he's off in these places that God hates and God's determined to destroy and this moment comes when God actually comes. God has such a relationship with Abram that God comes and appears to him. And he's having this communication and this conversation with Abram. And the conversation is kind of wrapping up. And God's about to leave. And God stops. And he looks back at Abram and he says, Abram, I'm going to destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Their, their wickedness is just inexcusable. It's risen to a level I can't tolerate anymore. I'm going to wipe it out. And the foster dad in, in Abram immediately thinks that's where Lot lives. 
That's where my, my son, my foster, my adoptive son lives there. He's in danger. And Abram does one of the, really the gutsiest things in all of Scripture. Abram starts to argue with God. Now, he's polite about it. You might say he negotiates with God. But Abram starts this thing with God where he's like, God, um, you know, I don't, like, I don't mean to bother you or, or trouble you, but you know, you're going to wipe these cities out. What if there's a hundred righteous people there? And Abram takes this gutsy step of, of fighting with God, arguing with God. And the amazing thing is God says, you know, if there's a hundred, okay, I won't destroy it. So Abram, he's getting really, really gutsy here. He's like, well, you know, there's probably not 100 people there. So God, what about like 50? Like, do you see 50? Like generally in negotiations, you're not going down on numbers, right? So Abram's like, 50? You, you got 50? And God's, okay. Abram goes another step. He's like, Lord, like 10? It's like maybe 10? And God says, okay. And then Abram, right, he's like praying a lot. Please be righteous. He's like, what about one? And Abram has this exchange with God. And listen, I know you and I, if you're anything like me, we always kind of argue with God, right? God tells us something to do. We know it's right and we're scared and we don't want to do it. But I don't know, I don't know that I'd, ha I'd have the guts to just argue with God like that. But Abram has this incredible foster love, this adoptive love of Lot that he took into his life and into his home, that he wants his future to be secure. He wants his future to be safe, that Abram starts fighting, negotiating with God. And the end result there is the cities end up getting destroyed, but God sends angels to deliver Lot and his family. Abram had such a love, and he was willing, he was willing to go to God. He was willing to, to fight for the best for this foster child that he loved and had taken in to his family. And let me tell you this morning, we need to fight for the children in our communities. Those 14,000 children in foster care in Georgia, they're all of our children. Okay, They're not just from one county or one community or from the really bad parents. Those, that needs to be all of our problem. That needs to be something that every one of us that loves Jesus is, convinc is convicted by the call of God to care for those who are less fortunate, that we're passionate about those children. And whether we're, we open our home to take foster children, or we adopt children, or we serve on a care team, or we serve the children in our community and our schools, or we serve families, or we get on our knees and we pray for those children. We need to fight for what's best for those children. It's not a problem that we can just say, hey, that's not my thing. I'm called to this ministry, not that ministry. We live in a state where 14,000 children were taken from their homes. And that's not just a family problem. That's a community problem. That's something we as the church need to be involved in. We need to be ministering to people. We need to be reaching out. We need to fight for better futures for those children. We need to fight for the children in our churches. We need to love on the kids and serve them. We need to fight for the futures of our students and point them to Jesus and keep them in church and be connected with them. And listen, I say this, you got a lot of students in this service. So often when kids leave high school and they go off to college, they never come back to church. So listen, if we're going to fight for the futures of our children, we need to be the most obnoxious parents and, and friends, when our kids go off to college and go off to school, and we need to follow up with them and love on them and take them to church and go visit, we need to fight for their future. If Abraham can be, go toe-to-toe -to -toe with God to fight for Lot's future, we can love on our kids and keep them close to Christ and pray over them and care for them. But there's three action steps we need to do as the church. 
We need to expand our circle. Both our, just our, our own families. Who's in your circle of your family? We need to elevate the needs of others. And then we need to fight for the future. So you heard me say, I told you I had three points. The need for brokenness, the need for action. And here's the application to you, the need for application. Because I don't want you to just leave out these doors and say, man, the music was great. The preaching was decent. You know, I don't want you to go out like that and just not listen. But hear me. How do you apply this to your life? There's three ways. Number one, on your ride home, over lunch, in the coming days, look at your circle. How can you expand your circle? Is God calling you to foster? Is God calling you to adopt? Is God calling you to serve on a care team? Is God calling you to connect with that family next door to you that doesn't go to church? Or that teenager that your kids bring home that always seems a little off or doesn't know Jesus? How can you expand your circle to include somebody else? The next question I ask you, how can you elevate the needs of others? How can you elevate the needs of the children in your life, the students in your life here at church? Is it serving in student ministry? Is it serving in nursery? Is it being on a care team? Again, how can you make that sacrifice to elevate the needs of others? Because we're all called to do that. The heart of the gospel is that Jesus Christ elevated your needs and my needs over his own. We've got to model that. He's calling us to live out a life that models that. And then finally, fight for the future. Fight for the future of our children and our communities. I told the first service, whenever I go somewhere and I speak and I talk about this topic and I, and I share, it, it never fails. Somebody will come up to me and they'll say, well, all I can do is pray. All I can do, I, that's, all, that's all I can do. I can just pray. Let me tell you, that, that's the most powerful thing you can do. That should be the starting point for the lives of children and the lives of those in need is prayer. Listen, find out, connect. Listen, Pastor Ken will be happy to help you connect with the foster families in your church. Pray over them. Pray over their children. Pray over their foster children. Pray over their marriages. Pray over when they have to go to court or visitation or these things. Pray for protection around them. Do those things. Lift them up. Go to God. Be like Abraham who went and and face-to-face argued with God for the best for his foster child and protecting him. Go to God. Get on your knees as individuals, as families, as a church. Pray over these foster kids. Pray for the best outcomes for their futures. Pray over anybody that's stepping into this ministry. Thank you for the chance to be here this morning. I'm going to pray and then the worship team will come. But I would just encourage you when you leave here, look at your circle. Elevate the needs of others and fight for the future. So let's pray. Father, thank you that those actions that we saw Abraham do were just just a hint of the way you loved us, Lord. You elevated our needs. You expanded your circle to bring us into your family. And you fight for our future, Lord. Thank you for that. Thank you that you love us that way. And Lord, help us to have that kind of love and passion for others, for the foster children in our community and our world, for the families and the children in our church and our community. Help us to live out that Christ-like action in everything we do. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.